0: My friends, and welcome to another Cup of Joe podcast on this Friday, April 1st. And wherever you are, whenever you are listening to this, I wish you God's life and God's grace and God's goodness. And I hope you don't have dogs barking in the back of of wherever you are right now. Hey, my friends, happy April Fool's Day. I've got nothing April Fooly for you. Uh, You know, the gospel isn't one of, uh, you know jocularity here it's uh it's actually kind of uh very pointed and um it's again john now we finished john chapter five the other day and uh and that was again a lot of jesus's teaching after he healed the crippled man at the uh, pool of bethesda so we skipped john chapter six which is an incredibly important chapter you know not only was there the the feeding of the five thousand. But for John's gospel, chapter six is his Eucharistic theory. That's where Jesus uh, speaks about the centrality of, you know, listen, my, my my body is real food, my blood is real drink, you know, And unless you you eat the body and, and drink the blood, you will not have life within you. I mean that's it's long and it's amazing and it's deep. So we're going to jump to seven. And actually, today's gospel is going to jump around again, but it's going to be a, a lot of teaching, a lot of words of Jesus, uh, and but they're very direct, and that's really going to be where we focus today, okay? So yeah, no no lighthearted April Fool stuff today, sorry. this I didn't choose the gospel, but this is where we're going to go. So I'm going to read out of the New American Translation, if you want to follow along, John chapter 7. We're going to go verse 1 and 2, then we're going to skip to 10. And then we'll finish with 25 to 30. I know, if you're following along, good luck trying to keep up with that. But let's break open God's word together. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus moved about within Galilee. He did not wish to travel in Judea because the Jews were trying to kill him. But the Jewish feast of tabernacles was near. But when his brothers had gone up to the feast, he himself also went up, not openly, but as it were, in secret. Some of the inhabitants of Jerusalem said, Is he not the one they are trying to kill? And look, he is speaking openly, and they say nothing to him. Could the authorities have realized that he is the Christ? But we know where he is from. When the Christ comes, no one will know where he is from. So Jesus cried out in the temple area as he was teaching and said, You know me and also know where I am from, yet I did not come on my own. But the one who sent me, whom you do not know, is true. I know him because I am from him and he sent me. So they tried to arrest him, but no one laid a hand upon him because his hour had not yet come my friends, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So a couple of things before we we get into the the heart of what I will say is the heart of the gospel, and I'm not sure if it is or not, but a couple of things. So we skip around a lot here, and so this gospel kind of seems a little odd. Jesus goes up, well, he doesn't want to go up, but then he does go up, but he, does it, he doesn't do it openly in secret. But then here they are saying, hey, you know, isn't that him? Yeah, and And so what happened in between some of these places we're skipping around? Well, basically, between chapter or verse 10, excuse me, where it says that he did go up to Jerusalem, but not openly, but in secret. And verse 25, where they say, is this not the one they're trying to kill? You know, they say nothing to him. Is he the Christ? He, he eventually does start speaking at the temple openly because I think Jesus just couldn't help himself. and uh, And so if you're wondering, you know what did they like make him take off his costume? Did they see through the uh, glasses and, and mustache, you know, Groucho Marx look that he had on? Um, but no, he he himself went and and was teaching openly in the temple. And the other thing is the question of his brothers. You may uh, be listening to this as a Catholic and thinking, I thought Jesus didn't have any brothers or sisters, that he was an only child. And that certainly is the teaching that we hold as church. Um, and uh, and what does that mean? Well, again, won't go into it in depth. I did that probably, I don't know, a year ago or so uh, when a similar teaching came up. But just know this, that that... Word for brothers and sisters is also, and can also be translated cousins. Remember, family was uh, extended uh, in in those days. and and you know Jesus lived in Nazareth. Well, it's very possible much of Nazareth was all family. and uh, and when they went down together, they that word would have been used. That family went there, and so it can be translated uh, directly as as relations, cousins, or as brothers. And in this case, they did it as brothers. So it doesn't undermine or undercut that, that teaching. Now again, our faith doesn't rest on that teaching either, so we don't need to be afraid of anything. But just know that's a little background. So what I want to talk about today... Um, so I would I would say the first thing is this. Jesus is teaching up in Galilee. Remember Galilee was in the north, Samaria is in the middle, Judea is in the south, and Jerusalem was in Judea. So if he's going to go to the feast of the tabernacles, he's got to go down there. Well, and and it's like Jesus was I mean when a feast came up you just went to the temple area and and Jesus is the fulfillment again he saw himself as a Jew not as separate from the Jews he was a Jew and he was the fulfillment of what the Jewish faith the the Judaism was pointing to and so the fulfillment would want to be present for all of these feasts right and uh and but he's he knows they're trying to kill him there so he was In a sense, wanting to avoid it and wanting to be there at the same time. And when he sees his family go down there, he's like, oh gosh, i got to be down there too. So he goes. And I guess that just, you know, invites that whole thought for me. And again, you do with it what you want. But are there things that we want to avoid, but yet our life, our integrity, our, our faith, our... Uh, I don't know, just our responsibility calls us to it. Jesus, I suspect, in fact, I won't even say I suspect, I am certain Jesus didn't want to die. Uh, we know that in, in the Garden of Gethsemane. We, we, even though he knows it's going to happen and he doesn't avoid it, he wasn't actively seeking it out. Here we see he wanted to avoid being put in that situation. I don't think, and, and, and when we look at Jesus that way, I think we can see, hey, that makes sense to me. We all know death is waiting for us at some level, my friends. Um, and, I, but I, and, and we can say that and we can speak about that. But I don't think any one of us really looks at it and says, I really want that right now. And I'm looking for that. So I'm going to put myself in that situation. My point here being, Jesus wasn't afraid Um, to, in a sense, turn into the wind and move in that direction. Not that he wanted to, to, to embrace the cross at that point or embrace his death at that point, but he knew where he was called to go. The people, the Jewish people were in Jerusalem at the Feast of the Tabernacles, and if he was going to minister to them and love them, that's where he needed to be too. Are there places, brothers and sisters, we do not want to be? We do not want to go, uh, because we know what insults may be waiting us. We we know what you know sideways glances may be waiting for us. We know what gossip will be talked about us behind the scenes, and we do not want to go there because of the cold shoulders that we will receive but if we are going to minister in the way that our God invites us. And God invites us all uniquely. I'm not going to tell you where you need to be and how you need to minister. Um, and, and, but does our integrity, does our mission, does our call from God, does our responsibility invite us there anyway? Are we willing to put our face into the wind, as it were, and move forward? You know, Jesus uses this time. I love this. Uh, is he not the one they are trying to kill? Uh, look, he is openly speaking, and they say nothing to him Could the authorities have realized the Christ, but we know where he is from. When the Christ comes, no one will know where he is from. And then Jesus almost, you know, I, I don't want to say mocks them, but he says, listen, uh, so you know me and also know where I'm from? Yet you really don't because I come from the Father. And I guess, brothers and sisters, what I would invite us to is this whole idea of, do we really ever know where someone is from? Do we really know? We think we may know them. Uh, I mean, even those closest to us, right? We think we know them. But do we really know them? Do we know where they're from? Do we know their, their past and what helped shape who they are now fully? Do we know those demons that, that are in their head from their past and their insecurities and where they come from? Do we know how God speaks to them and where God invites them? Do we know their motivations? Do we know their fears? Do we know uh, what, what drives them forward or what inspires them? Now, at some level, I would say we'd answer yes to some and may, maybe even many of those. But not all, brothers and sisters, do we ever really know someone? I think, I think in the best circumstances, um, with those closest to us, I think we know much about them. But even then, I would argue we don't know all of them. Uh, and, and, and that's wonderful in a sense that those friends and spouses and, and family or whoever that is still have something to surprise us with. But it also says we need to be people of humility when we approach them and, and not be people of judgment that say, listen, I know everything there is about you. And why are you making this decision? Because we don't know everything about them. And yes, maybe sometimes those decisions are harmful to themselves or to others. And then we, we get to hold up a mirror to them. But we don't know everything about them. We need to be people of humility in circumstances like that. Last thing I'll say, this whole point of, is he not the one they are trying to kill? You know, uh, uh, and I'll say this, that that what was true then, I think, is so true now. We may not do it as overtly. We don't have crosses. We don't have, you know, at least not in in our country here. Uh, praise be to God. Um, but brothers and sisters, we still have a, a, a cycle of killing. We do it. And we do it openly. And, and here's what, what it looks like, that pattern. See if you recognize it. We raise up people in our communities and in our our you know, regions and in our country, whatever it is, and be they political figures, be they sports figures, be they celebrities you know singers you know movie stars be they you know um just whatever uh just you know maybe they're they're do-gooders and and they did an incredibly heroic act and we raise them up and the news cycle looks at them and says hey look at these wonderful people and and they become an inspiration to us but then at some point that cycle turns and we're like okay and and I, and again you and i i don't think we do this intentionally and i don't even know that the news cycle does this intentionally but ultimately we're like okay we got to find dirt on these people um because otherwise you know we're just putting them up on this pedestal and uh and they're not you know i don't know we we get tired of them The, the the news cycle as i said needs to change whatever it is and so we find dirt and we say okay They're no longer the people that we thought they were. And we we put them to the side and say, gosh, look at them. How did we ever admire them at that level? You know what? Go through the checkout line and see whatever it is, the Weekly World News or the National Enquirer or People Magazine or Us Magazine or whatever, Weekly Magazine is there and what's going on and what's on the front. Right? We churn through people and we have no problem killing them in their reputation and then we get another group of people up and and the cycle will turn on them too and we become victims of it we at least participate in it in the point that we look at it or we watch it or we read it or we or we maybe say it and again it doesn't have to be just on a national level it can be in our very communities and and somehow it, maybe it makes us feel better about ourselves and Jesus was most definitely a victim of that but I want to tie it into our first reading today, which is a reading from, from the Book of Wisdom. And I'll just read a couple of sentences, but it's really good. It says this, "...the wicked said among themselves, thinking not aright, let us beset the just one, because they are obnoxious to us. They set themselves against our doings, reproach us for our transgressions of the law, and charge us with violations of our training." They, sent, they are a censure to our thoughts. They style themselves a child of God. Okay, so then let's go, I'm going to skip now a little bit later. Let us see whether their words be true. Let us find out what will happen to them. For if the just one be a child of God, they will. Def, God will defend them and deliver them from their foes. With revilement and torture, let us put them to the test. They will see proof of their gentleness brothers and sisters, isn't that the very cycle we're talking about here? I mean, that this this one comes along and challenges us by their life, by their witness, right? That's so what we talked about yesterday. And we love them for a time because they inspire us. But then after a while, it's like, ah, uh, you know, it hasn't inspired us to change. We just really appreciated that because otherwise we got to change. So let's get rid of that and get somebody else. And we participate again, whether it's actively or passively, in this cycle of killing. And, and, and I would argue that one of the ways Jesus saves us is he does not participate in it. He becomes that innocent victim, that holy victim that doesn't, even as he's dying, as he's being killed, participate in the killing of others. Brothers and sisters, we are invited um, based on what our mission is, our dignity is, our respect, you know, for our our God or ourselves, our mission to face the wind and, and to make hard and tough choices sometimes and to be where our mission invites us to be. We do not know people fully and we need to respect that and be open to new changes, but let us not participate in whatever cycle close to us in our families, in our, in our communities, in our, in our country at large, that, that puts us grist for the mill, people that are human, just like us, that, that may have done things or said things that inspire us. Praise God for that, but that doesn't make them less than human. And so it doesn't mean they are deserving of death. Let us not participate in that, but instead try to take us outside that cycle like Jesus did. Um, where we realize that the answer is not in violence and not in our own ego, but only in one thing, and that is that we are children, brothers and sisters of our God. Let's pray. So we begin in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The fifth joyful mystery, the finding of Jesus in the temple. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. My friends, have a blessed Friday, a wonderful weekend. Again, welcome to April. May you be filled with every good joy. God's peace.